works in the hearts of men. <laughs> the shadow knows. Well, the shadow may know, but Radio Parallax is trying to find out. We know there's evil in the hearts of men, and we're trying to probe that very matter. That classic opening comes from the legendary radio program, The Shadow. I believe it was first portrayed on radio by one of our favorites on this program, the great Orson Welles. But uh, over the years, I believe four different actors assumed the role of The Shadow. We're delighted to note that on today's program, we'll be talking quite a bit about some of those wonderful, wonderful shows of the 30s, 40s, and 50s which, uh, for better or worse, laid the foundation for a lot of what is still uh, television entertainment today. And uh, I say for better or worse because obviously it's not all for the better. But I'd say in some instances that's because uh, constant imitation tends to water down the original product. Seinfeld on television wasn't doing anything terribly different from what Jack Benny did on radio, just not quite as well. Our guest today, making his third appearance in the program, will be author Gerald Nachman. We'll be speaking with him today and on next week's program about his wonderful book, Raised on Radio. I promise you, you're going to like today's show. And you know I wouldn't lie. But let's begin today's show, as we like to do, with On This Date in History. The date in question is September 30th. On September 30th in 1882, the world's first hydroelectric power plant opened up on the Fox River in Appleton, Wisconsin. And I thought it was Niagara Falls. Hmm. The things you learn putting on a radio show. Seven years later on this date, September 30th, 1889, Wyoming became the first state to grant women the right to vote. I believe this marks the last time that the state of Wyoming did anything progressive. But I could be wrong, and if I am, correct me by dropping a line at info at radioparallax.com. September 30th, 1901, France required registration for all motor vehicles which drove over 18 miles an hour. Which seems a bit amusing now. Something that's not the least bit amusing is what happened on September 30th, 1938. On that date, Nazi Germany was allowed to have its way with Czechoslovakia as... Both British and French prime ministers signed the Munich Pact with Adolf Hitler. At Munich, Neville Chamberlain from the UK and Edouard Daladier from France allowed Hitler and Mussolini to basically take over the part of Czechoslovakia where the populace spoke German, the Sudetenland. Oh, and Czechoslovakia, they weren't allowed a place at the table. Chamberlain came back to London saying he thought it meant peace in our time. Turned out he was wrong. Two years later to the date, September 30th, 1940, Germany began night bombing raids over England. 35 years ago today, and I can't believe it was 35 years ago, but it was September 30th, 1975, in the so-called Thrilla in Manila, boxer Muhammad Ali defeated Joe Frazier to retain his world heavyweight title. Considered by fight fans to be one of the greatest of all time, it's fairly well known that Joe Frazier couldn't answer the bell at the 13th round, but what's perhaps not quite as well known is that Muhammad Ali scarcely could himself. 
He was instructing his corner to cut the gloves off when Frazier's people refused to allow him back in the ring. As Frazier's people refused to let him out of his corner, thus guaranteeing Ali's victory. As a sports fan and one who admires toughness and perseverance, you can almost see the thrill of Manila as a heroic struggle between two great athletes. But then when you see these old, broken-down men as they appear today, you just have to shake your head. Pretty tough way to earn a living. And does raise questions about where all that fame and fortune gets you in the end. We don't really subscribe to the live fast, die young, leave a good-looking corpse philosophy at Radio Parallax. But sadly, that could have applied to actor James Dean, who died 55 years ago. This date, September 30th, 1955, when his Porsche crashed on a rural California highway. You know, he really only made his mark in three films, East of Eden, Rebel Without a Cause, and Giant. I'd say in many respects, if I may editorialize, uh, Montgomery Clift was the greater actor. But I guess because his decline was a rather slow one and not abrupt like James Dean, he's not half so well remembered today. All right, let's end on a happier note. It was on September 30th in 1791 that the Austrian composer Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart's opera The Magic Flute debuted in Vienna. Our quote of the day comes from George Carlin. You know, and I, I didn't buy When Will Jesus Bring the Pork Chops when George was alive because I didn't think it was that good. But now that he's gone, I couldn't resist. Didn't hurt that it was in the three ninety nine bin. Said George Carlin, They say that rather than cursing the darkness, one should light a candle. They don't mention anything about cursing a lack of candles. And our quip of the day, and it's a long one, but it's kind of apropos of what we were just talking about, is as follows. Boxing's an activity in which each of two men, by delivering a series of repeated sharp blows to the head, attempts to render the other one senseless, leaving him lying on the floor, unable to act rationally, defend himself, or even stand up. If one of the two men is knocked down and beaten into an only partially blank and helpless mental state, the other is made to stand aside, and the contest is halted momentarily while the damaged man regains just enough strength to stand up and have the beating continue. Often to the point where he's again lying on the floor, this time completely immobile and functionless. Afterward, the two men embrace in a display of good sportsmanship. George Carlin, he is missed. Our joke of the day, which I note was sent to us by Michael, is as follows. A cowboy appeared before St. Peter at the pearly gates. St. Peter asked him, Have you ever done anything of particular merit? Cowboy said, well, I can think of one thing. On a trip to the Black Hills, I came on a gang of bikers who were hassling a young woman. I told them to leave her alone, but they weren't listening. So I walked up to the biggest, most tattooed biker, and I kicked his bike over and slapped him in the face and pushed him on the ground. Said, now you back off or I'll kick the crap out of all of you. St. Peter looked impressed. Said, wow, when did that happen? Cowboy said, a couple of minutes ago. Our stat of the day is number one. 
as in sport that causes the most ER-related visits in America? Can you guess what it is? Recent study by researchers at the Nationwide Children's Hospital in Ohio found that 375,000 kids and teenagers are treated in ERs each year for basketball-related injuries. I know basketball isn't typically thought of as a contact sport, but it ought to be. A separate study found that basketball is responsible for more than 9% of sports-related concussions among 8- to 19-year-olds. Only football causes more. Keep that in mind, parents. Let's see if we can't do the good, the bad, and the ugly. It was a good week last week for American trial lawyers after a Kansas City religious mission was sued by the International House of Pancakes for using its same initials. Lawyers for the International House of Prayer say it has abbreviated its name as IHOP for the past 10 years without any confusion. A spokesman for the pancake chain, however, said that the church has recently, quote, expanded and now some of the branches are serving food, end quote. How many folks do you suppose went to the International House of Prayer to order pancakes? It was a bad week last week for freedom of the press after a Juarez, Mexico newspaper offered to tailor its editorial policy to suit local drug gangs in exchange for the safety of its employees. In an editorial last week, El Diario said the killing of two of its reporters in the past two years had caused, caused irreparable pain and suffering, and it asked the gangs to, quote, explain what it is you want from us, what it is you want us to publish or not publish, unquote. A spokesman for President Felipe Calderon condemned the paper, saying no institutions should negotiate with drug gangs. And finally, it was an ugly week last week for Egyptian history in the wake of Mohammed Hassanian Haikal, an Egyptian journalist and former Anwar Sadat aide, hinting on Al Jazeera television that President Gamal Abdel Nasser may have died in 1970 after being poisoned by his successor, Anwar Sadat. The reporter said that after the two men had a bitter argument, Sadat personally made Nasser a cup of coffee, and Nasser died three days later. Apparently, all of Egypt is abuzz over this allegation. Sadat's family has responded furiously to this insinuation, but in what may be the weakest excuse slash alibi slash defense I've ever heard, one of Sadat's daughters, who is suing Haikal for slander, said the allegation could not possibly be true because <laughs> her father didn't know how to make coffee. Well, on Monday night, we had a debate between uh, the two gubernatorial candidates. Rumor has it that some facts were actually presented during the uh, debate. We, however, are unable to confirm that, so we're going to have to hold off commentary on uh, the hot governor's race, I think, for the time being. And, uh, in fact, no, I didn't watch, because Ken Burns returned to TV with an update on his excellent baseball uh, documentary of, I guess, 16 years ago. That was as fascinating as always. I think we'll bring back our sports correspondent, Sean Minton, to talk a bit about, uh, about that uh, program. 
Want to note only that it was fascinating when they talked about Mark McGuire's bashing all those home runs and the reporter who stumbled on the fact that he was taking Andristine Dione. The documentary showed how baseball and all the sports writers, which are basically an extension of professional baseball, all dutifully lined up on the side of, uh, I guess you'd say, being pro-steroids. There was even a bit of a smear campaign to take uh, the uh, reporter out of the, of the action. Disgusting episode. Unfortunately, all too common. If you earn your living writing about sports figures, you're one of these so-called sports writers, I think it's fair to say that almost by definition you're going to write crap so that you don't lose access to the people supplying you with uh, the raw materials. Uh, this is not a dilemma confined to baseball, by the way. Anyway, we'll have more to say about that in the future. Meantime, I was attracted by the little blurb in the B uh, last week about how Arnold Schwarzenegger has now come out against legalizing recreational marijuana. Accompanying the, a piece was a, a photograph of a stoned Arnold clutching a joint with a rather profound smirk on his face taken from the footage from uh, Pumping Iron. Said the governor, any patrol officer, judge, or district attorney will tell you that Prop 19 is a flawed initiative that would bring about a host of legal nightmares and risks to public safety. Yeah, you start smoking this stuff later on, you might become governor, and you would look like a big jackass. Actually, we wish Arnold Schwarzenegger well in returning to his movie career. I'm sure there's 15 geeks in the San Fernando Valley right now salivating over the prospect of writing his next tagline. You know, a scene where Arnold throws a guy over a cliff. Arnold will say something like, Yeah, the bottom fell out of his market. And let's not even go there on uh, the postponement of the uh, execution that took place uh, this week. They're going to study. They're going to study, apparently, the, the virtues of a three-drug uh, shot versus a one-drug shot in killing people. Yeah, that's a good use of the taxpayers' uh, dollars, don't you think? By the way, the, the darling Meg Whitman, charmer that she is, apparently said last week while she was in Fresno that the place looks like Detroit. It's awful. Which apparently she, I guess, admitted in Fresno. Well, that, that didn't go over well. We're going to see if we can't uh, bring someone on to, to give the pro-Fresno side of that one. All right, let's do a little bit of follow-up. Uh, I think we mentioned uh, a month or two ago that uh, in spite of getting a bachelor's in science and biological sciences from the fine institution of UC Davis, I was not familiar with what pyrosomes were. This surfaced in an article in the Sacramento Bee about uh, possible damage to the wildlife in the wake of the Gulf oil spill. Talking about turtles, the article mentioned that one of their favorite foods is pyrosomes. I, I don't know that a lot of you lost sleep over this, but we do have a rather detailed answer as to what these things are, courtesy of New Scientist magazine. Someone wrote the magazine to ask about these floating sea creatures they'd run into that looked kind of like, well, like gelatinous tubes. They were found about six feet down and varied from about an inch long to about, about a foot long. Man sent in a picture to the magazine, which published a response from John Davenport, professor of zoology at the University College Cork in Ireland. Said Dr. Davenport, the tubular object is a pyrosoma. These are colonial tunicates related to sea squirts, salps, and dolioids. All right, that may not be of much help, I realize. But if you've been walking along the California seashore, and undoubtedly you have at some point in your life, you've probably come across tunicates. 
And you probably poked one to have it squirt seawater at you, which is why they're called sea squirts. Like the rest of you, I'm quite familiar with that type of tunicate. But uh, ones that get together to form colonies and float in the ocean, it's a new one on me. Somehow when these colonies get together, they organize themselves into a kind of a head and a kind of a tail, and they, uh, they filter planktonic food through themselves. I guess they could give organizational lessons to sponges. The name pyrosoma translates as fiery body, and the colonies show intense, sustained bioluminescence when stimulated mechanically, or poked, or by light. Reportedly, a lit-up colony can be seen from 300 feet away in clear waters in the middle of the night. As with jellyfish swarms, they sometimes drift into coastal shallow waters, and uh, turned out that they're kind of a low-value diet, 94% water, but they are uh, loved by the leatherback turtle, which eats enormous quantities. And if any budding zoologists out there are more curious, I guess we'll have to refer you to the web. But as a bit of biological trivia, I would like to note that tunicates are classed among the vertebrates, like you, me, apes, bats, giraffes, fish, frogs, snakes, George W. Bush. They get classified with us, we vertebrates, uh, these tunicates do, because early in their life cycle, they contain a structure which resembles a vertebral column which frankly is probably a lot more zoology than any of you wanted today. And it's cutting into the other stuff I want to talk about in this pile of papers in front of me. But we have a lot of ground to cover, so let's take a short break after we hear from our good friend, Mr. Will Durst. Hey guys, Will Durst here to speak admiringly about the newest female politician taking her runway turn in the right-wing spotlight. I am over the top in love with Mama Grizzly's protege, Christine O'Donnell, who in the space of less than a week has managed to introduce witchcraft and masturbation into the national conversation, sex and religion, or the lack thereof. As a Tea Party-backed candidate, she upset the establishment Republican in the Delaware senatorial primary and has pushed Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton's recent court troubles right off the front page, which ain't easy. The problem is, well, there's a little history. Back in the 90s, O'Donnell went on TV and said she had dabbled with witchery but never joined a coven. This caused the local Wiccan community to deny ever having anything to do with her. Wow, disavowed by witches. Wonder where that goes on her next mailer. There is a simple test, you know. Toss her in the water. If she doesn't melt or float, she's not a witch. Of course, if she doesn't float, her chances of getting elected do shrink dramatically. O'Donnell then cited the Bible for saying that lust in your heart is adultery and you can't practice self-love without lust, hence that too is adultery which is going to disappoint a lot of guys who engage in the former, specifically to lessen their attraction to the latter. She's also been accused of criminal mismanagement of campaign money by fellow Republicans, who know a thing or two about criminal mismanagement of campaign money. And she said she would never, ever lie, even if Nazis asked her where Anne Frank was hiding. God would work it out. She's in the attic! And for comics and professional humorists everywhere, may I just say, God has worked it out. This woman is a walking smorgasbord of kinetic satire. As they say in the military, she's a target-rich environment, and I'm swimming in extra clips. For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst. Radio 
So much to do, so little time. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We'll be back after a break with Gerald Nachman, author of Raised on Radio. I've been looking forward to this one. <laughs> 